Welcome to this episode of Tap Into College Golf. I'm your host, Brandy Jackson, founder of Brandy Jackson Golf, where young female golfers can come join the team in search of coaching, consulting, mentorship, and guidance on all things junior golf related and, of course, the college recruiting process. There's also access to an online course, or if you're looking for some fun girls golf lifestyle apparel, even added that to the collection last year. So be sure to go check out www.brandyjacksongolf.com. That's Brandy with an I. Welcome to the 2020 fall season of Tap Into College Golf. When we left off, it was the beginning of the pandemic and this crazy world that we have been living in for the last few months, but excited to kick off this season after taking a little bit of a hiatus to really focus on all of my girls and recruiting and and how crazy that process has been for the last few months, but excited to have some awesome coaches join me this season, Um, starting out with the Rhodes College Coach um, Coach Mike Clary, who Rhodes is a D3 school there in Memphis, Tennessee, very highly academic and highly competitive golf program. So I was excited to have him join me and, and talk a little bit about his, he's been there for 42 years as part of the athletic program. He played there, um, I believe he played football and golf there as his own um, undergraduate experience and has been a part of the athletic program ever since. And they've had a uh, just an awesome, outstanding um, stretch there. They The girls team won the national championship 2014, 2016, and 2017. And so he shares just some about the program and the D3 environment for playing collegiate sports and, and how that looks and, and how that's such a great option for some players out there who want to play college golf but maybe want to get even a little bit more out of their collegiate experience from a school academic social setting and, and Rhodes is a great option for that so excited to have coach Mike Clary join me. On this call, I have the Rhodes uh, men's and women's golf coach now, um, Mike Clary, who I am um yeah, really excited to talk to and get this uh, you know, little different perspective on college golf at the D3 level, but with a ton of success, a long career there at Rhodes College that I think is very interesting and excited to have him kind of share some of that and, and just the, the program there that the women's golf program has done, which is, has been just outstanding and how the, the D3 option and the D3 route is, is just such a good way for the you know the these kids to to have that experience of playing college athletics with still being able to enjoy the, the all around experience. So thanks for uh, for joining me, Coach Clary. Uh, thank you, Brandy. I'm uh, excited to be with you this morning. Hope hope everyone is doing well. So tell me, so I you know I did um, you and I've communicated a good bit. I've got a couple girls there playing for you right now. Have always you know really. Uh, held roads in, in a, a very high standard because of what you've done there. And, and like I said, a lot of these girls that you're going to talk about that, that I work with, it becomes such a good option. But talk a little bit about your background. I know you've been there for 41 years, I think it's been. You, you played football. You played golf there. You've actually coached several different sports. You've been the AD. You've kind of done it all there. So you've probably seen several different perspectives. But just share a little bit about um, you know, your your background through coaching and, and there at Rhodes. Just talk a little bit about that before we dive into some other topics. Well, this uh, is beginning my 42nd year. And uh, like a lot of us, when we were uh, 22, 23, 24, you go to work um, at a 
organization do you think you're going to be there a year or two and uh, move on to, to bigger and better things? And here I am 40, 42 years later. But um, I'm originally from Atlanta, and we moved to Memphis uh, when I was in high school. And then I attended Rhodes, graduated in 1977, uh, played football. Um, I was uh, always a kid. I was the um, seventh man on, on a six-man golf team. Um, but it was it was a, a great learning experience for me, and 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 had had a had a great education, and had a, had a lot of fun uh, at Rhodes. Uh, I coached uh, and taught uh, high school for a couple of years, and I returned to Rhodes in 1979 uh, as an assistant football and head track coach, and um, was in that position for five years. And our head coach left uh, in 1983. I was 28 years old. Um, we had really good track teams. Uh, so uh, uh, a number of people at Rose felt like I'd be a good fit for the position at that head football position at that time. Uh, but at 28, uh, for three years, I was the youngest head football coach at any level uh, in the NCAA. And we were really fortunate. We, we had some very good players. Had about a nine or 10 year run where we ranked in the top 10 in the country. and. NCAA Division III, and uh, we were the winningest university or college football program in Tennessee for six, seven years. Uh, in 1990, I, I took on the dual role of being the director of athletics and a head football coach, which I did for seven years. Um, probably probably bit off a little more than I could, could chew. Our football teams were still good, but we weren't quite as, as good as, as we'd been um, in, in the late 80s. Um, Went back to helping a, a coach uh, track for five years. I even, we got a swimming program off the ground. I did swimming for, for three years. And then uh, in 2006, uh, we had a, at that time, a lot of programs had part-time head coaches and, and women's and men's golf. And uh, I just couldn't find the right person in the Memphis area to work with our women's team. So. I told my wife, Nancy, I said, I'll do this a couple of years, get, get the program on its feet, and here I am 14 years later. Um, four years ago, uh, I stepped out of the director of athletics position and have just, just been doing women's golf for the last three years. And then our men's coach, uh, Bill Cochran, we have a very successful men's program as well. Uh, he he uh, relinquished his duties uh, this past year Kind of in the middle of COVID, we were getting ready to advertise for the men's position, and uh, we were not going to be able to interview any candidates on campus. So the college came to me and inquired if I'd be willing to take on the, the, the men's position too uh, for, for a, a few years. So uh, now, I'm, now I'm both the women's and men's head coach. But I've, I've been extremely fortunate. Uh, Rhodes is just a wonderful place to have a career. Uh, had two children who have graduated from Rhodes and are, are, are doing really well. So, you know, I've, I've really lived uh, uh, the great life uh, at Rhodes. Yeah, it sounds like it gotten, like I said, different, the, all the different sports and, and then getting to see it from the AD perspective as well. That's uh, so unique, um, you know, just in, in general from a, a coach perspective and, and how I'm sure that, that has such a good impact on, on how you get to see all different athletes and, and take something from, you know, how all these different sports 
the the mindset and the, the competitiveness of the different types of sports and, and the individual versus the team. I'm sure all of that pulled together just it's been um, an adjustment, I'm sure, as a coach to try to have to go from, you know, some of those different sports. But as we, you know, talk about with the women's golf, uh, you know, obviously that's my big passion and, and what I love. And that's what I've loved about the program you've had there and, and the opportunity, like I said, that it gives the girls to, to come in and play. And as I mentioned, you know, I, I have a lot of girls that consult or just come to me, you know, for, for initial consultations about playing college golf and always try to get them to consider that D3 route. Um, I should say always, but there's a lot of times that that you can tell it's going to be a good fit. Um, What do you think it is about D3 athletics and that route, especially with women's golf? I see it be, I said, I just see it turn out to be such a good fit for so many uh, female golfers. What do you think it is? Talk a little bit about that experience and how different that is and, and why that might be such a good fit sometimes. Well, it's not, not just in golf, but, but really in all yeah. sports. Um, you know, if, if a athlete, if a golfer has an opportunity to, to play golf at Wake Forest or at Tennessee or at Southern Cal, and they are of that talent level, you know, I'd say 99% of the time uh, that golfer is going to choose um, that route. Um, I've, I've One of my former football players at Rhodes is an orthopedic surgeon in Memphis, Robert Heck, and his, his daughter, Rachel, is going to Stanford. And um, there's another daughter who's at Notre Dame. And we, we talked a lot as they were in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade about what their route would be. It became evident they were going to be just extremely strong golfers. And we just talked about if you have that opportunity to play golf at Stanford or play golf at Duke or Tennessee, then, you know, most players are going to take that route. Uh, the, the women's game uh, at the collegiate level, uh, and, and as you've seen, Brandy, it really the, the women's game at, at all levels now has, has just grown in terms of the number of, of, of young ladies who are playing golf and the, the quality of golf, uh, the, the talent in golf, at all levels has just improved dramatically too. And just in my 14 years as head coach, um, I know in uh, 10, 12 years ago, I first got into this uh, as a uh, individual selected by the NCAA to play in the NCAA tournament. You know, you, you might have a stroke average of 79 or 80 and, and get in the NCAA tournament as an individual qualifier. Now all the individual qualifiers at the NCAA Division Three level or you know, 75, 76 or lower. So the quality of the game has, has, has just improved a lot too. So um, invariably what happens is there are um, uh, players who uh, they, can, they can play at mid-level Division One or Division Two golf. Um, they might be that golfer that's it's, it's gonna play you know, at, at, at Ohio State and they still want to play uh, college golf. And so uh, Division Three is, is, is a great option for that. Uh, there are lots of different uh, types of schools in Division Three. There are large state universities that compete at the NCAA Division Three level, and there are schools like Rhodes and Washington and Lee and Sewanee and Center um, who are you know, 1,500 to 2,000 students. Um, the, the young lady that we attract is uh, that uh, player who is an outstanding student uh, that wants a, 
a, a college experience of balance where uh, their uh, social life is relatively normal as any other college student. They are in a position where academically they're going to be able to spend um, all the time uh, that they need to to be uh, a straight A student, which is what they are when, when they are in high school. And then they want to continue to play highly competitive uh, golf. And so uh, Rhodes and schools like Rhodes uh, provide that opportunity for young ladies and, uh, you know, we, we, we work hard at golf. Uh, you know, golf is, is not a game uh, where you can just go out and practice for an hour and a half or two hours every day. Uh, most schools don't have a golf course on their campus, so you get in your car and you got to drive. There's some inconvenience and there's some time with playing uh, golf at, at, at any level. But we probably spend, you know, 75% of the time um, at a golf course or facility as uh, a major college or Division One program does. So it just lends itself to a player at Rhodes just having an opportunity to spend more time on uh, academics and also to be involved in other aspects of campus life that you just don't have time to do if, if you're playing golf at the Division One level. That makes sense. And, and that's, I think, like I said, what I've seen be such a trend on, um, like I said, with a lot of female athletes. And, and I think, like I said, especially with women's golf, that academic criteria that they look for. And I think a lot of them find that at that D3 level that sometimes some of the other programs that they might fit golf-wise, they don't necessarily, you know, quite get that, you know, that academic expectation that they're looking for and, and want to, because so many of them are such good students in high school and want to continue that. And, and have that uh, expectation and, and that um, that standard of academics when they go on to still be able to play college golf, but yet still maintain that. And like I said, with, you know, if you're not good enough to maybe go play at Stanford or you know Notre Dame, Wake Forest, and those from a golf perspective, uh, places like Rhodes are such a good alternative to that and, and still get you know, the best of both worlds in a lot of ways. So it's, uh, like I said, it's such, been such a good, good, fit and good recommendation I, I feel like for so many girls and and with that um you, know, you kind of touched on this a little bit and you know how you know especially kind of from a coach perspective as you said you know that balance of you know you spend about 75 percent of the time that maybe what a d1 coach or d1 program might how do you kind of balance that expectation especially um with the um the the record that you all have there, you've won three national championships, um, which we're going to talk a little bit about that too. But how do you, you know, where that expectation is of knowing that, you know, you want them to work hard and, and you want to still have that standard of excellence from a golf program, but also, you know, that philosophy of student academic campus life coming first. How tough is that as a coach? How do you, you know, do you have some kind of struggles and battles with that? How is that? Well, in the recruiting process, uh, you really try to determine, you know, from the, the prospect and their parents kind of what their goals and aspirations are uh, for their college experience. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, if, if, if I coached golf uh, at Kentucky or at Ohio State or at Florida, uh, I'd organize and structure the program just like those coaches do there. Um, I, I've always maintained uh, in any sport that uh, Division one does sports right. 
Division two does sports right. Division three does sports right. But we just do it different. And uh, the, the idea that uh, in Division three that you know, we have uh, more of a balanced philosophy, uh, that, that's certainly true. Uh, but uh, I know there are outstanding students that play Division one golf. Uh, outstanding people. Uh, so it's, it's really a lot on what that prospect and their parents uh, are looking for. Kind of and, and trying to be transparent and also just as a, a kind of a philosophical aspect of our program, you know, I tell players if you're looking for golf to be the dominant aspect of your college experience, our, our program would not be uh, the right program for you. Because uh, we're going to work hard at golf and, and be very organized and uh, we have intense desire to play golf at the highest level. But uh, there are going to be other aspects of your college experience that are going to be uh, just as important. I always um, uh, kind of use an analogy that uh, as we uh, get in college and our interests become more diverse and then we graduate uh, from college, uh, we uh, find a significant other, uh, we get a great job, we have children, uh, we actually have to find uh, more passion in life. Uh, life is not about just being able to say, well, I'm going to be a great student and I'm going to be a great golfer. Um, and, and I'm only going to devote 50% of my time to being a great student and 50% of my time to being a, a great golfer. The reality is, is that you have to find more passion and we want for our players to have a 100% vibrant social life. We want them to have 100% great academic experience. And we want them to have and give 100% in golf. And as you get older, um, I always use the analogy that if you come from a family where there, you have uh, two or three siblings, you know, when your oldest brother was born, your parents loved your brother 100%. But when you, when you were born, um, your parents didn't all of a sudden just love your brother 50% yeah. and love you 50%. They loved their, their son 100% and they love you 100%. So you just have to find more passion. Um, and if anything, uh, the struggle that we have is that our, our players are such a dynamic young ladies. Um, they have all these interests and we do have to uh, corral some of those at time. Uh, two of the last four years, Rhodes has been selected the number one uh, service-oriented college in the country. I mean, our students are out there in the Memphis community doing these wonderful volunteer things. Well, our golfers are able to do those things too, but we have to do it during the off season. Um, yeah. So we just really uh, work to really try and find that prospect and their parents who are really looking for uh, the Rhodes experience, and then, then uh, once once we can get them to come to Memphis, come on campus, we feel like we have a great chance for Rhodes to be one of their top two or three uh, uh, schools to look at. Yes, I, I love that. I love that hundred percent comparison. That's a great um, great metaphor there. Metaphor there for you know just just like you said with, with having more than one kid, and and you don't take away from that. You just learn to to find a little bit more. I, I really like that comparison. Uh, well, then, you know, talk a little bit about, so you know, the, the women's team won the national championship there in 2014, 2016, and 2017. 
what during that time, you know, was there anything, you know, different, anything? Was it just, uh, you know, just having, uh, you know, not luck necessarily of having some, you know, really good girls all at one time. Was there anything during that time that, you know, some of the keys to, to winning those titles that year, how were those years and, and, and leading up to that, um, obviously very exciting times. And, and again, even, you know, at the end of the day, those are still, as what I tell a lot of, uh, a lot of girls that, you know, while it's obviously really cool to, to win the division one national championship and, and have that, you know, it's still just as much. It means just as much and it's just as cool and celebrated to win the D three national title as well. So, you know, it's just as, just as much work and just as much, um, like I said, celebration to it. So share a little bit about those years and, and how that was to win those titles that year and how much fun that was. Well, again, in, in a, a note of, of transparency, when we have, uh, prospects come visit and we'll take them to our trophy cases and show them three national championship trophies. I, I, I tell them, I said, I had to be honest. I said, there was no grand plan uh, to win the national championship in 2014. Um, at, at schools like Rhodes, which are highly uh, selective academically, uh, very rigorous academically, kind of much similar to a Northwestern Vanderbilt Duke. Uh, very difficult for football teams and baseball teams and uh, softball teams to, to really legitimately compete for a national championship. But um, over the years, as athletic director, I always thought that a Rhodes would be a school in a sport like tennis or golf where we could attract um, uh, great students and, and, and great players. It, it took me a couple of years to really figure out the type of, of, of student and player we can recruit. and. In 2008, my second year as the head coach, I recruited um, a player, Stephanie Mingos, from Pembroke Hill School in Kansas City. And Stephanie went on uh, to be a four-time All-American for us. She went to the NCAA tournament um, four years in a row. Uh, and uh, I actually, on my Instagram, I had dinner with Stephanie two or three years ago, and uh, somebody asked me, like, what was the key to winning the national championship in 2014. And I said, well, I just had to figure out how to recruit five Stephanies. Yeah. And um, so uh, over in that period of time, uh, certainly her success helped us to attract um, the, the entering class in 2013, 14. But we had um, three uh, really good freshmen uh, that year that I was able to recruit, Sarah Ann Vaughns from Auburn, uh, Sarah Ann just graduated from Wake Forest Law School. Uh, Jessica was wifeful. She's a physician's assistant out in Denver. She was from Franklin, Tennessee. And Nikki Isaacson is from Racine, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee. And uh, I thought we could be, like, really good with that group. But, frankly, our goal was just to try and win the conference championship and see if we could get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, but um, we, we ended up um, – for the first time of uh, being in the top 10 in the country going into the spring of 2014. And um, at uh, the Jekyll Island Collegiate in March, uh, we came in third, but we actually beat uh, the number two team in the country. And just kind of jokingly, I told our players, I said, you know, I said, uh, looks like we've got a pretty good team. You know, we, we very well may, you know, be able to uh, do something postseason. And uh, that, that's about um, all that I said. So we actually entered that 2014 uh, NCAA tournament as the um, 
uh, number eight team in the country, and we were the last team, the last at-large team selected. Um, and we just had our week. Um, uh, we ended up winning that week by 24 strokes. So we led um, all four rounds. And um, I'd always heard this term about your your phone blowing up uh, after you <laughs> have some you know really neat experience. And uh, that was my first experience uh, with a uh, 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 phone blowing up. Uh, the, the next year, uh, one, one of our players actually uh, got sick, our, our, actually our number two player, and couldn't play in the spring. We still went to the NCAA tournament, but I think we came in fifth in 2015. And then in 2016, we attracted a, a really good player from uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, Emily Salami. She graduated two years ago. And uh, that 2016 team, um, we really had five number one players. Uh, we were the number one team in the country for most of the spring. It was a little scary because like the previous four years, the number one team in the country didn't win the national championship. Yeah. And we actually came in the first round of Bay Oaks Country Club in Houston. And we, we, we hadn't shot over 302 in a month and a half and we shoot like 311 and we're in fourth. Um, but then the next two days, um, we shoot 294 to uh, set an NCA team record at Division Three, and we shoot 296 the next day. They actually got called um, in the middle of the fourth round. But that team uh, is as good a uh, Division Three women's golf team as I've seen. Uh, we, we had great players. So we have all those uh, group back. We graduated one player, Meg Healy, in 2017. Um, our players, those three seniors, they were interviewing for jobs, interviewing for graduate school. We were, we were rather up and down, but we entered the, the tournament, uh, the number three team in the, in the country. It's at the same course in Houston at Bay Oaks Country Club. We play two really good first rounds. We're in the lead. In the third round, um, we, we didn't have as good a round, and we're four strokes down. I think we're in third place. And just to show you how golf is, um, uh, after nine holes in the final round of the tournament, we're down by seven and six. We're in third place uh, to the one and two teams. And uh, I got kind of told, uh, my daughter Julie was there with me. I said, you know, I said, this just may not be our year. And uh, I'm out there on number 10, and our one and two players went birdie, birdie. Uh, the one and two players on the other teams went bogey, bogey. So all of a sudden now we're only down by three. And on the Next hole, uh, we go par par, and their uh, top two players both double bogey. Now we got a one stroke lead. Wow. Um, and we end up winning by two um, in 2017. And there was certainly some luck uh, there. <laughs> uh, but we, we were, you know, we were a good enough team to take advantage of that luck. And, um, you know, it's carried over uh, the last two years. We've been number five in the country uh, this, this this past year. Um, uh, our team, I don't think we were the best team in the country, but we were one of the top five teams, and we've got everybody back uh, this spring. So, again, I think it's just a matter of, of putting it together that week. You see it happen every week in college golf and LPGA and PGA golf that, you know, a really good player who hasn't won kind of comes out of nowhere and wins. Uh, the key. And that's where the recruiting comes in is you, you've really got to have 
uh, the talent to be able to do it on that given week. If, if you just got a good team and you have a good week, then you're going to come in sixth. But if, if you've got the talent and you're a top five team and you have your week, you know you can win it again. So we're, we're really excited about our team uh, this spring. Yes, that, that's fun to hear the difference, the, the, how the, the, each year was and, and going into it and, and, you know, where you were ranked going into the, the playoffs or the playoffs, postseason play and, and how that played out. And just like you said, how quick it can change, especially when you're looking at the team side of things because, you know, one or two girls make birdie and one or two girls on the other team make bogeys. And, you know, that's a huge swing of things that, you know, four or five, six shots goes can go quick in team golf in college. And, I know you just it is definitely one of those you've got to keep you know fighting till the very end with that it's a little different when you're back by six shots as an individual uh but when it's the team how quick those few shots go and and then just like you said with I mean this past week with the AIG open and and um pop off um I think that's how you said her last name you know never won anything hadn't even won like on the semester tour or anything yet and just has her week and you know and, and wins a major championship and when you get that with uh you know three four or five girls all at once that do that after you know just having a decent season you can win a national championship and and, and put it all together in that week and that's such a difference and I said sometimes it's a little bit of luck just to, the timing just comes in at the right time and the right week and the right days but obviously it also comes from a lot of the hard work built up to that and like you said the recruiting side of things for figuring out who's got the best ability to be able to do to do that when it you know when they really need to be able to um, which I know is, is a lot from coaching experience and and you know learning how to see some of those things and 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 determine that which actually I know this is not necessarily this isn't a question I gave you but it's something I've been talking to a lot of my girls about and it's on social media some that maybe you can touch on too a little bit I'm going to throw you a little bit of a loop it's not something totally off off the script but share a little bit uh like I said one thing I've been talking to a lot of players about and it's kind of in the title of you know why her and not me and I get this from so many girls just they're they're not that they're always comparing themselves, but they're looking at, you know, why is this player being recruited and I'm not? Why did she get the offer and why didn't I? Um, just wanted to see if you can shed a, shed a little bit of light on that. It's something I'm going to be talking to um, from several of the coaches as I do some more episodes this fall. Uh, you know, from a coach perspective, why that does kind of play out the way it does. And I know it's different for every coach. Part of it is just gut intuition. Um, it's the difference in, you know, being a, you know, a highly competitive program and, and not so many factors. And that's what I'm trying to kind of get the girls sometimes to understand. So maybe shed a little light on that for, you know, what it is sometimes about one recruiter over another or what you might see or, or things, you know, from your own personal coaching philosophy that may make you kind of go one way over another way. Well, uh, as, as you know, Brandy, at the highest level for collegiate golf, you know, a, a lot of uh, the recruiting that's taking place when girls are in the eighth, ninth, and tenth grade, and so the 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 the, the top high school players that are looking at ACC and SCC and Pac-12 um, type schools, um, those those head coaches are identifying those players in the seventh and eighth and ninth and 10th mm -hmm. grade. Um, and so that, that's kind of really, a, I think, a, a different group uh, of, yes. of, of players. Uh, 
So if, if you get beyond that and you get to your junior year of high school and you're a really good player, uh, but um, you know you're 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 not you know hearing from uh, some of those uh, uh, SEC ACC type schools, then there you just have to uh, really kind of resign yourself to the fact that you can be a great player and there are Division One schools where you can go play, which are highly competitive, and if your goal is to play golf. Uh, after you get out of uh, your, your collegiate career, there are plenty of, of, of great players on the men's and women's side who, who go to a, a mid-level Division I school or Division II school or even Division III and are able to have a golf experience um, after they uh, get out of school. Uh, even back when I coached football, and with football it was more of, you know, what would you do if uh, you got injured in football and you couldn't play uh, football in college anymore? So I always expressed a, a prospect and their, and their parents, and especially their parents or any other counselor who may be working with them, is that uh, you want to make sure that you choose a school that is a place that you can be happy irregardless of how football or golf would work out. Now, you certainly hope that you, you go to a school and you can make an impact uh, with that uh, golf program. But uh, you, you and I have both uh, come across a number of girls who uh, ended up going to a school and they may even like the golf aspect of the school, but they really weren't a great fit for where that school was located or what they were studying or, you know, what, what all the, the people were like there and did not have as great a college experience as they could have if they would have chosen a school that would have been a great fit for them and all those other areas uh, outside of God. I always tell prospects, when you go visit a school, um, it's, it's not the golf coach and it's not the members on the team. A lot of prospects will go, I, I really want to meet, you know, uh, girls on the team. Well, well, we do that, but we really uh, think the more important question is, how do you feel like you're going to get along with those other 1,900 students at the school? Because you're going to be spending 20, 21 hours a day with the student body, and you're going to be spending, you know, two to four hours a day with your golf team members. You're going to love the coach. You're going to love your golf teammates. But it's all the other students that you want to try to determine, <laughs> are those the, the type of people that I want to be around? So when you go visit a school, you know, get out there on campus, talk to some students that aren't on the golf team, uh, meet with a professor and really get an idea as to, you know, the opportunities that you'll have uh, academically, you know, really get a, a, a feel for kind of what campus life is like, because that's really going to determine uh, how great a college experience you have. Yeah, I like that. It, it's, um, you know, again, I think everybody, part of it is figuring out what that priority is for each person, you know, whether the golf, the social, the academics, and, and trying to you know, trying to figure out which one has going to have the bigger impact. And, and there's so many different factors to, to kind of think of, but that certainly helps um, shed a little light. Like I said, I, I get asked and, and I can just see it going through some of the girls' minds and, and then, you know, just trying to question do they do something wrong, you know, and then just trying to get them to understand that. And like you said, it's, it's obviously a little different from your high level D one and, and how that recruiting process is and, and how it's different at, you know, 
mid to lower level D1 and D3, um, all that's got different, again, different parties, even from a coach perspective for what they're looking for. Well, well, they even, what, well go ahead. Yep, go ahead. What I was just going to say, and uh, I, I've seen this a lot uh, in Division Three men's and women's golf, is uh, sometimes it's just about uh, needing a couple of more years for, for your game to mature. Uh, on on mm -hmm. the men's side, uh, one of our senior uh, co-captains, Vince Wheeler, he's from Roanoke, uh, he, he just lost in the semifinals of the Virginia State Amateur. And uh, Vince, uh, as a high school player uh, in Virginia, you know, I don't think he ever finished within the top 20 um, in, in the Virginia State Tournament. I mean, he was a really good player, really good student. Um, in, in the Virginia State Am, I think he lost uh, one up. Uh, to the uh, number one player at Virginia Tech, uh, who was the three-time state champion in Virginia. So a lot of times what happens is that player uh, that might be stronger than you as a high school junior or senior, you know, their competitive uh, uh, stroke average is 73 when they're a high school senior and yours is a 76. If you work at it, by the time you're a junior or senior, you're playing in the state am with them, you'll be right there with them. Uh, it just sometimes takes a couple of years. Um, you know, that woman I mentioned to you earlier, Stephanie Mengos, her sophomore year, she finished second in the Missouri Amateur. She beat every player from Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri. All these girls had beat her in high school. Yeah. I was worried she was going to transfer, uh, but she was, she was really happy at Rhodes. So sometimes it's just – takes a couple more years of maturing. Um, yeah. And we feel like, you know, our best players as juniors and seniors can 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 probably play in, in most Division One programs. Yeah, I, I would agree just from what I, I see. And, and you know, again, just through the time of doing all this, I wouldn't doubt that at all. And I'm sure that's sometimes a little bit of a concern for some that do get there and get better and want to go on to that. But the ones that I said that find roads as they, you know, truly home and, and what they, you know, it, again, it's kind of the, the second part to what I was going to ask you. Got kind of two more things to talk about, which kind of will lead into that is, you know, what some of these girls have gone on to do. So, you know, while golf, their game may get better and, and some may decide, hey, I want to go play at a higher level or do something and transfer, you know, that, that does happen. You know, a lot of them came to Rhodes or, you know, some of the D3 schools for a reason from an education, future career perspective. So, what are some of the things I know you sent me a list, which, you know, there's so many different things that the girls have done and even some of the ones who've studied abroad and done stuff during the school year, during the summers. Uh, what are some of the, maybe not necessarily most popular, but some of the, the maybe even more unique um, kind of things that some of the girls have gone on to do and, and had success beyond graduation or, or some of the things that happened while they were in school that helped lead on to what they were doing, you know, post college uh, just shed some light on some of the different things that some of your players have gone on to do as you know as adults and into the the real world well again an opportunity um, at Rhodes and, and schools like Rhodes uh, again it's just in that mainstream student philosophy that, that we have 70% um, of the students at Rhodes uh, study abroad during their um, undergraduate uh, career and uh, 70% of our uh, golf team members uh, have studied abroad as well. Uh, all schools have lots of programs during the academic year in the fall and spring, but um, 
Uh, all schools also have lots of neat programs that uh, someone can do in the summer. So um, uh, very few of our players have missed a fall uh, or spring uh, season. Uh, our players uh, study abroad um, in, in, in June or July. And you know, we, we've had players in China, Argentina, Spain, England. So that's an opportunity you have at Rhodes and schools like Rhodes. The same goes for internships. And we're, we're in the Memphis area, so uh, we have a tremendous uh, uh, health uh, uh, industry in Memphis. FedEx International Paper is here. So uh, about 60% of our students do academic internships. And at Rhodes, still, you have time to do your academic internship during golf season. Uh, we have a current senior, Annie Paris. She's from uh, suburban Nashville. Uh, she's, she's, the last two years, she's done her internship in the spring with St. Jude and the WGC tournament, which has just been, uh, she's a business major and it's just been a great uh, experience for her. Um, as I, uh, I, I tell uh, 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 prospects, your, your parents are interested in two things for you when you graduate from college. I said, one, they want you to be able to get a job. And in this day and age, uh, even more importantly, they want you to be able to get a job with benefits. Um, every one of our players in my 14 years as a head coach uh, has gotten in a good graduate school. They all have good jobs with good benefits. Um, we actually have three players um, in the golf industry business who work out at Pebble Beach. Uh, one of my former football teammates, R.J. Harper, ran the golf operation at Pebble Beach for about 25 years. And uh, R.J. hired uh, three of our players. Uh, one works in finance. Um, one works in tournament operations, and one works actually at their uh, golf academy. Um, uh, as I said, uh, we had a player from Milwaukee two years ago, Nikki Isaacson. Uh, she's at the University of Michigan working on her PhD in public health. Um, our, our two seniors from two years ago uh, both worked for big commercial real estate firms uh, in the Memphis area. We've got three or four players who have become doctors, five or six who have become lawyers. So uh, really, really good students. Uh, the average GPA of our five players that won the 2016-2017 National Championship uh, was a 3.71. Uh, so they are very, very you know, strong students with very high goals academically and with their careers uh, and uh, you know, have, have also been able to play very high level golf. Yeah, it's I love. Like I said, all the different. Um, I, I kind of failed to do the get a job and with good benefits when I came out of college because all I cared about was playing out on tour and playing professionally. So I missed that part of the uh, <laughs> the parent expectation. But you know, I, I like to. Um, obviously, it's it's different again, just different for everybody. And and again, that's sort of the difference in what your priorities are for playing college golf as to what that might look like. But yeah, I mean, just sitting here looking at this list of, of what the girls have done. And like I said, some that have gone into things in the golf industry and, and you know, medical lawyer, you know, so many different, um, different avenues. It's just really cool to see and, and know that so many have been able to come out and kind of know what they're going to do or go on to grad school and what, you know, kind of delay taking that next step from a a true you know, job perspective. Um, so very cool to, to see all of that and, and to continue to see what the you know, current players and everything are going to do. As I said, I got a couple of girls there, there now. So I'm excited to see what they end up deciding to do in the next couple of years before they get into 
um, thinking about graduation and, and obviously this past year has been a little different from being able to study abroad or do internships. It kind of changed things a little bit over the past six months, unfortunately, but hopefully that gets back to normal some next year and, and you can get back to doing some more of that. Well, I think, I think it will. I was talking to, uh, prospects, uh, I feel like there are some really, really smart people who are working on vaccines and therapeutics. Mm -hmm. And while I think this, this winter spring is still going to be uh, a little uncertain, I, I yeah. do see uh, things getting back more to normal this winter spring. And as I'm talking to prospects now, I, I really feel like by this time next year, we'll be in a much, much better place. And uh, so it's, this, this pandemic is not for a lifetime. Uh, we all just yep. have to kind of do our best uh, during this period. Unfortunately, you know, golf is, is a game where you can still go out and, 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 and practice safely and, and have fun playing and playing safely. Uh, you know, football players, volleyball players, soccer players, uh, you need a team uh, really to do that. And uh, mm -hmm. they just don't have that opportunity this fall. But um, our, our golfers are all out playing and practicing. And there's lots of uh, open collegiate tournaments that have been organized that they're able to play. So uh, we're really fortunate to, to be able to keep playing golf. Yes, I've, I've said that, uh, you know, I know me and in what I do, I feel extremely, extremely lucky to have not been too affected by it and, and have actually been in more need and demand. And, and I love to see that the golf industry during, you know, what, has many times before with the economy not gotten the, the best side of things to actually have been able to survive and, and actually thrive a little bit through this time has been, you know, it's been very, very good to see and being in the golf industry myself and just seeing a sport that you want to see grow and continue to grow and to see that happen during this time has been, um, you know, one of the few rays of sunshine I feel like during what's been such a crazy time. Uh, so it's been good to see that and, and see that from a golf perspective. Um, that it is a sport that's been able to, to continue to, to survive these times. Um, so one last thing that I did want to make sure we touch on and then we can, you know, kind of wrap this up because it's been a lot of, a lot of great insight and I really appreciate you being on here is I know there's always a little bit of a misunderstanding there and, and I get it when, you know, I, I do webinars and do different things and talk about where there's scholarship and where there's not. And as soon as some of these kids see that D3 doesn't have athletic scholarships, whether it's um, a mentality that they don't want to, you know, they want to get golf scholarship or it's the, the financial piece of thinking, well, we can't afford it because we, you know, we need the, the scholarship and trying to get them to understand that it's not always the case that there's, you know, I, I've had players get just as good, if not better financial aid and funding to go to a D3 school than some of the other opportunities where they were only going to maybe get a small amount of golf money and that was going to be it. So I'd love to just kind of wrap this up and, and shed a little light on what that uh, kind of looks like. And, and as with this whole process, it is, it's the, one of the least fun parts of my job is it is very different from school to school. How each school handles this is so different. So for everybody listening out there, uh, you know, this is different from case to case and, and each school handles how they do these things different, but um, for their roads and in just your experience in general from it, uh, you know, how that, that, plays out how you've seen that with the girls having different offers and, and even maybe even some of the other sports you've done, um, you know, when they've got different offers, how the D3 financial aid works and how that can sometimes be misunderstood and to make sure people out there listening don't disregard that opportunity because they're just um, not educated on what that might be. 
Well, um, what what a prospect and, and their parents uh, first want to know is that um, even uh, players uh, who in the ACC, SEC, not not every one of those men's and women's uh, uh, players at those levels are on uh, full athletic scholarships. Um, in fact, you know, in Division One football, Division One basketball, those are maybe Division One women's basketball. Those are probably about the only one Division One sports where everybody on their team is on a full scholarship. Uh, you get to programs in Division One like baseball and track and field and and lacrosse, where a, a lot of those players playing in big time programs, they might only be on a half scholarship, uh, which is which is good. Um, at the NCAA Division Three level, that's probably the biggest misconception is that um, we don't offer any athletic-related aid, and that makes uh, attending uh, a Division Three school prohibitive. Uh, now, private schools, uh, uh, whether it's uh, uh, Duke or Rhodes, are, are more expensive than a, in a, a public university. But in order for Rhodes uh, to attract great students, um, we have to uh, provide uh, really good financial aid, kind of based on uh, the ability of the parents to pay. Um, and we also have to provide really good academic scholarships. Um, our 2016 team that won the national championship, uh, four of our five players on that team, uh, their parents paid less than half of our tuition room and board costs for them to attend Rhodes. Um, one of those players uh, qualified for aid based on financial need, and three of the players uh, received uh, an academic scholarship uh, around uh, uh, two-thirds tuition of, of, of our cost. So I really encourage uh, prospects and their parents um, not to uh, uh, turn away from a school uh, early uh, and just think that, that that school would be uh, too expensive. Uh, there, there's no way that we could afford uh, for our daughter or son to go uh, to that school. Uh, just keep an open mind about the cost. Um, there's certainly going to be some cost differences, uh, even at schools at the Division three level, uh, depending on uh, kind of what their uh, academic uh, selectivity is to get in school. But it's been my experience that probably 90% of the time, uh, a student uh, or an athlete uh, who have wanted to attend Rhodes, that Rhodes has been able to put together a financial aid package uh, or an academic scholarship that has made it possible uh, for that student and that golfer to attend Rhodes. Does that mean it's, it's not sometimes a little more expensive than go to, uh, say, a state university? Uh, that that uh, I, I can't, can't argue with that. But uh, schools uh, really in the business of making it affordable uh, for uh, you to be able to go to a, a school like Rhodes. So I just really encourage uh, parents just to keep an open mind about that whole process too. Uh, talk to your college counselor at your high school. Uh, all schools have great financial aid offices, admissions offices that can answer those questions for you. And then in the end, get all the information that you have on the schools, and, and then you can make the best possible decision. Yes, that, that's great insight there. I, again, I know there's some you know, 
every situation, every university is different. Every, you know, um, admissions does things different. Um, so keep that in mind as well out there. But just like you said, keep an open mind to it. Don't disregard it until you know, you know, until you get the, the details and the information, um, you know, don't disregard it as a, as a possibility just based off of what may you know, look like on, on the surface there. So good, good insight. Well, anything else, you know, that's kind of all of the, the questions I had that I wanted to talk to you about. Anything that you want to share or shed light on to the, the parents and the juniors out there who are listening? Um, or even we have a lot of other college coaches who actually listen in to the, the episodes. Um, anything else you want to share before we uh, close this out? Well, um, as I was uh, saying earlier, and like Brandy, you said, uh, this, this is a little different uh, summer and fall as uh, now current high school seniors are uh, taking college visits and, uh, you know, trying to determine, you know, whether they're top three, four, five schools that they, you know, would have an interest in doing. First, uh, I want to say that all schools have put together some great virtual content uh, on their admission sites. And so even before you go make a, a physical visit to a school, uh, you can get, I think, even better information now than you could a year ago on uh, what a school looks like, uh, what programs they have to offer. Uh, you, know, you, can, you can sign up for virtual one-on-one -on -one meetings with admissions counselors and with financial aid officers. So I really encourage you to take opportunities for those virtual. Then, and secondly is uh, just prioritize and, and, and do your best to get out and, and visit schools. Again, the visits will be a little bit different uh, this fall. Um, than they were this time last year. Uh, but again, by visiting a school, you still can just get a great feel for the area the school is located in and uh, you know, kind of physically uh, uh, what the school uh, looks like and, and, and have an opportunity to meet some students so that you can see if this school would be uh, a great fit for me. And uh, Brandy, I'd just like to thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to join you this morning. and. Uh, certainly appreciate um, you making um, all of our uh, we college coaches aware of you know some really uh, strong students and players that you have worked with in the past and are currently working and uh, we're, we're certainly looking forward to staying in touch. Well, thank you. Thanks again for joining and for a great insight. And, and again, you know, I've just I definitely got a lot of respect for what you've done there and, and to be there at Rhodes as long as you have and, and to make such an impact on on the girls that come through there as somebody who's you know going through all of that um, can certainly appreciate and respect that. So, you know, certainly thank you for all of that and for taking good care of the girls as they come and we'll always continue to, um, to keep roads in mind. And, and again, thank you for, for the insight and for all of you out there who joined in, thanks for joining in on another episode of tap into college golf. Mm -hmm.